So John chapter 15, beginning at verse 26. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you've been with me from the beginning. I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I do not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the father has is mine. Therefore, I said that when that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And thanks again for reading. And I thought I'd say if you're new with us for the first time, uh, we've got a contact card on the table and I do drop in your email address and we'd love to keep informed of what happens here at Covent Garden Talks. And also welcome if you've just joined us online. Hey, some of you will know that I'm quite an avid cyclist and I uh, do enjoy going cycling with a cycling club that I'm part of. And I think the technical term to describe me is Memmil, uh, the middle-aged man in Lycra. And so over the past few years, I've made good friends with guys in the cycling club. Particularly, I made a good friend with this a guy called Dave. And I thought it would be a really good idea to um, speak to Dave and ask him to read the Bible with me. Um, so it's New Year's Day this year. And we're going on a ride together. You need to imagine beautiful country roads, like sun shining, clear skies. And there came the perfect moment to, to ask him uh, the question during the ride. And so there's a bit of a lull in the conversation. And then I opened my mouth. And at that very point of wanting to ask him the question, um, I felt a sense of fear. And then no words came out. I said, okay, I'll try again. So we went to another uh, lane. It was, again, very clear roads, very nice. A bit of loud conversation. I, and I opened my mouth again to kind of ask him the question. And again, a sense of fear that kind of crept up. And then no words came out. And maybe you've been in a similar situation before, uh, not in Lycra, cycling on a bicycle. Uh, but the, the need to be public about your faith, uh, to speak about Jesus, and to tell people that you are a Christian. And in those moments, uh, you are fearful. Um, you feel awkward, and you're afraid of what people will think of you, or that people will reject you. And so in those moments of, of fear and timidity, uh, where do we find courage? 
And I think the, the main arena of, of where fear comes from is in the workplace. And that's why we hold these lunchtime talks to encourage each and every one of you. Uh, previously, my previous job, I used to work on the trading floor. And I remember this guy called Carl. Okay. A Carl is a guy where, so you're doing work on the office. And then you will hear him right in the corner of the room. He'll be raising at the top of his voice and he'll be saying, what the? And you're there in your desk. What are you trying to do? All you're trying to do is keep your head down, uh, do your job, make sure you don't mess up. And to think about speaking about speaking about Jesus, uh, that is the last thing on your mind. Uh, that is the last thing on your mind. And maybe that's like uh, you in the office. Uh, maybe Carl's a bit old school. Uh, your office is much more polite. Uh, people are much more pleasant. But you still receive uh, those like weird looks or that awkward silence whenever you, you speak about your faith or when you don't identify yourself as an ally. See, the workplace, I think, is the main arena uh, where we experience fear. And is this right? Uh, perhaps we are in a period of history where the need for Christian courage and boldness is especially pressing. You may be aware about the census released last year for the first time that Christians are no longer a majority in this country. We see not just out there in society. Uh, think about the service church. Some of you will be aware uh, that the Church of England uh, today lacks courage and boldness to stand for, for truth. And so today it's barely distinguishable from the rest of the world. And so maybe uh, the need for courage for each and every one of us is especially pressing in our time. But you see, when the time comes for us to speak, uh, when we open our mouths, uh, there's that feeling of fear and awkwardness that hits us, and then no words come out. So how do we move away from fearfulness to boldness, from timidity to courage? Well, we are in our final Covington Talks uh, for the term, and we are also in the upper room with Jesus and his disciples before he goes to the cross. And it's this conversation, uh, this conversation that Jesus prepares them for his, his departure, to give them courage, to help them to understand the times. So listen to his words and look down with me from chapter 15, verse 26. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known me, uh, the Father, nor me. But I've said these things to you that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I've said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I do go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things are to come. He will glorify me and take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the father has is mine. Therefore, I said he will take what is mine and declare it 
to you. But the three bits of context that I want you to understand uh, before we go into details, the first thing to know is we are in a courtroom. Uh, there's a legal trial that's going on. Uh, do you notice the, the trial language in the passage, uh, chapter 15, verse 26? He will bear witness, uh, verse 27, bearing witness. And also chapter 16, verse 8, uh, he will convict the world. Or verse 13, he will declare to you uh, what's truth. A language like witness, uh, conviction, uh, testimony, uh, conv uh, what else did I say? Declare, truth. Uh, those are all language from a trial scene. But what is being decided in this trial? Well, the question on the table, it's all about the identity of Jesus. Is Jesus really who he says he is? Is he the son of God? Or is he just a madman? Well, it's a legal trial on the identity of Jesus. The second bit of context is his imminent departure to his father's side. Uh, what does Jesus say? I am going away. I am going away. He's about to leave his disciples uh, back to his father's side. And in this conversation, he explains why he's leaving. Third bit of context, imagine all of us in the upper room. Imagine the emotions. 11 disciples who have risked all to follow him. They left their family, society, their colleagues, their friends to follow Jesus. And now Jesus is leaving them. Imagine how you feel. A panic, 11 panic-stricken disciples, overwhelmed with fear. Uh, it is an extremely emotionally charged situation. A legal trial, uh, Jesus' departure, and the fear and anxiety of the disciples. And so how will these 11 disciples overcome their fear? You see, it's our passage today. Um, that Jesus has with them to help them to move from 11 panic-stricken disciples to bold witnesses. And as we understand how they move from fearfulness to boldness, that is how we will find courage. So what do you think helped to kickstart uh, the movement that changed the course of human history? What is it that we need to know? Well, the answer is this, that we need each and every one of us to grasp the moment we are in, uh, to perceive, to understand the era that we are in. Well, here's a key verse for today, chapter 15, verse 26. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And so firstly, we need to grasp that we are in the era of the Spirit and the vindication of the Son of God. Luke to chapter 16, verse 7, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. See, the disciples, they are sorrowful, but Jesus is going away. But the surprise is that he says, it's to your advantage that I go away. And that's really interesting. Jesus thinks it's better for him not to be on the earth for him to be away. Because when he goes, he will send the Spirit, the Helper, the Spirit will come. But here's the question, why is it advantageous for Jesus to not be on earth and to send the Spirit? I look down to verse 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Well, some suggest there that the Spirit's conviction refers to something subjective, 
as something subjective in an individual being convicted of your sin or you're aware of your guilt or your need for forgiveness. And I want to say that's certainly true. Uh, that's something that the Spirit does do. But I want to suggest what Jesus is saying here is something slightly different. It's not a subjective conviction, but an objective one. Remember the context. We are in a trial, and the word conviction is a legal term. And so there's something about sending the Spirit that becomes a decisive moment in this trial. What is the issue? Remember the issue in the trial? Is Jesus really the Son of God? Did he come from God? And so the moment that Jesus ascends to his Father's side and sends the Spirit, that is proof that he is from God, that he has gone back to the Father's side and he has poured out the Spirit. And historically, it happened publicly. 3,000 witnesses on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. And so rather than a subjective experience of conviction, it refers to an objective point in human history where there's a guilty verdict being pronounced on the world. I'll forgive this illustration. I'm not sure if you guys are big fans of fireworks. You can 5th of November, Guy Fawkes Day. Um, I'm personally sort of somewhat enthusiastic about fireworks. My favorite is the one that's gold. You know, I call it gold dust. The one that makes a big bang and you have that gold dust coming down from the sky. Now, how do you know that the rocket has gone up to the sky? Well, the moment you see gold dust falling down, uh, you know that is proof that the rocket has gone up. And in the same logic, the way you knowing that the spirit has descended on the believers on the day of Pentecost, that is a definitive point and proof that Jesus has ascended to his father's side. And so he was right about himself. He came from the Father, and he has gone back to the Father's side. I think that explains the next few verses. I'll look at verse 9. Um, when he comes, he will send the Spirit, and it will convict the world concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And the sin that is convicting the world is not every sin, but specifically that the world was wrong about the person of Jesus from not believing that he is from God. On verse 10, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. A righteousness there is not referring to imputed righteousness, but that Jesus was right, that he was right about himself, that he really is the Son of God. And verse 11, concerning judgment, because the ruler of the world is judged. Again, not referring to final judgment, but a present judgment on Satan, on the lies that he told about the Son. And so Jesus says, it's to your advantage, it's to your advantage that I go away because I will send the Spirit. The verdict is overturned. Uh, the Spirit has been poured out. And Jesus was right and is right about himself, that he came from the Father and has gone back to his side. And so this is a proven fact of history. Jesus Christ is Lord. And so we, we need to understand that this is the day that we are in. See, the Spirit is already poured out. The Son of God is already vindicated as the Son of God. This is the moment and the era of the Spirit and the vindication of the Son. Think about the time before God sent His Son. See, the prophets all spoke of a day to come in the future where God would pour out His Spirit. Uh, in the last days, God says through the prophet Joel, I will pour out my Spirit. And the people of all were waiting and looking for that climactic day in history where God would pour out His Spirit. But we are not in that day. That day has already passed. We are in the day where the Spirit has been poured out and the Son of God has been vindicated. Mm -hmm. 
And you think about a time where the Son of God walked the earth, uh, when Jesus walked on the earth, and the people were confused about him. Uh, who is this man? They see a madman, they see a Samaritan, they see a demon. And what did they do? They took up stones to kill God. They picked up stones to kill the creator of the world, and they crucified him. But you see, we are not in the moment of confusion. There is clarity. Uh, there is clarity. Jesus is Lord because he has risen to the Father's right hand and he has poured out his spirit. And that is the moment we are in, the era of the vindication of the Son of God. And so to deal with fear, we need to grasp. We need to understand and perceive the moment of history we are in. Well, that was a decisive point in history 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost. You might be asking, what about now? Uh, what does it mean for us uh, in Covent Garden 2,000 years from now? Well, go back to our key verse, uh, verse 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And also verse 27, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. If you're following the handout, we're on our second point. We are in the era of witness and truth to the Son. Look to verse 12, chapter 16, verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said he would take what is mine and declare it to you. And just to clear up any um, confusion here, uh, let's be clear. Jesus is first and foremost speaking to his disciples here. Uh, so when they have all truth, it's to his 11 disciples. Uh, verse 27, you will bear witness about me because you had been with me from the beginning. Uh, it is to his disciples. And what does Jesus mean by all truth? Uh, I will declare to you all truth. Well, all truth is not every single truth in the universe, but it's specifically all truth about Jesus. Uh, verse 13, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things are to come. Uh, do you see what Jesus is saying? Uh, the spirit will hear the words from Jesus, and he will declare the words of Jesus to the apostles. And the things that he will declare of the things to come, it refers to the actions of Jesus his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. And so all truth is not random truths. It is truths about the Son, his words, and his actions. Uh, the apostolic witness, the gospel, or if you like, the Bible, uh, this contains all the truth about the Son. And just as an aside, uh, you might wonder, why do we open the Bible each Thursday? Uh, because at the heart of what uh, we are convicted about in the ministry here, is that the Bible is sufficient, not because it's comprehensive about everything in life, but it's sufficient to know everything about the Son. It contains all truth about the Son. But this is also why we think the Bible is authoritative, and not because it's some magical book, but because the Son is authoritative. Jesus is King, and this speaks all truth about Him. And so John's Gospel, the Bible, it speaks all truth about the Son. And so if you want your colleagues to turn to Jesus, open your Bible, open your Bible and read it with them. And this gospel 
will be an ongoing witness to an unbelieving world. Again, think about it. See, in the Old Testament, the prophets, they look forward to the day where the knowledge of God would not stay in Israel, but spread across the face of the world. But the world will no longer be in darkness. And I want you to think about this country, uh, this island, before the Son of God walked the earth. A people in this world, worshipping created things, things that were formed by our own minds. Um, idols of thunder, of, of wood, and of stone. Uh, gods which find themselves today in the comic stories, comic books, uh, Marvel characters. People used to worship comic characters. Think about it. People used to bow down to comic characters. It's crazy. It is absolutely nuts. Uh, people were darkened, deceived, and they believed the lies. It was a day of darkness, complete darkness, where people worship created things. But you see, we're not in that day anymore. We're not in the time of darkness. It is a new day. The sun has risen. The light is shining. There is witness and truth about Jesus going all around the world. It has exposed our ignorance and it has given clarity to our darkened minds. And so we need to grasp and understand this is the moment that we are in. We are in the era where witness and truth about the sun is spreading across all around the world. This is the moment we are in. In the first stage, the rocket goes up to the sky um, and the fireworks come down. But in the second stage, the fireworks hits the ground and spreads like wildfire all around the world. And that is what's happening with the witness of the sun going around the world. So how do we move from fear and anxiety and timidity to, to boldness and courage? Well, the answer is to understand, to really grasp this moment of history that we are in. It is the moment of where the spirit has been poured out and the sun has been vindicated. It is a fact of history. It is not up for debate. Where there is witness and truth to the sun broken into the world. So my encouragement to you is to, to take courage, uh, to find courage. See, we are perhaps in a period of decline in this nation and in the established church, but that does not define the moment we are in. There is a bigger story, a bigger narrative, a more powerful truth that we are in the greater moment of the spirit and the vindication of the sun. And so we can take courage and be bold. And as we find courage, uh, God will work through each and every one of us as individual Christians are bold to speak about him. I uh, see on that on the ride, when I was cycling with my, my friend Dave, uh, twice I tried to speak and uh, no words uh, came out. And then I had to remind, remind myself, Joel, don't be a wuss. Jesus, he is the son of God. Uh, he is Lord. This is the moment where he is reigning on high. And it is the moment of witness and truth. And that gave me courage. So on the third try, uh, the roads were clear. Again, we're cycling next to each other. And I, says, I said to him, hey, Dave, uh, you know, we've been friends for the past two years. And, you know, I'm a Christian. And there's, there's one thing I would really love to do. Um, I really love to read a bit of the Bible with you. And can you guess re his reply? He said, ah, that sounds really lovely. Which I think in British speak means it sounds terrible. <laughs> but that's okay. See, it doesn't change the moment we are in. And the beauty of it is that some will respond if we are bold. Because there's another friend, my second friend, his name is Sam. 
and I asked him to come for a carol service um, in December last year. And he said, sure, why not? I was like, well, really? It's not meant to be so easy. And so indeed, he came for the carol service and you know, we had a really good chat after the service. And I said, hey, Sam, do you want to read John's gospel with me? And he said, sure, why not? I was like, whoa, <laughs> what's going on? You're meant to reject me. Um, and we did. And so since the start of this year, we've been reading John's gospel together. In John chapter 3, the way he was speaking sounded like a Christian. And so I asked him, do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? And he said, yes, I did. And it's amazing. You see, the spirit has been poured into him and he's been persuaded by the witness and truth of Jesus. So find courage to speak. And so my final encouragement to each and every one of us is to stay in the fight, or to stay in the battle for the knowledge of God. Uh, I'm from Singapore and um, all men in Singapore need to spend two years in national service uh, to fight for the country. And if there's a war in Singapore right now, I will go back to fight at the front lines because there's a battle to be fought and there's a nation to defend and there's a family to protect if there is a war. But there is a war going on today. We are in the war, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. It is a battle. It is a war for the knowledge of God. Will God receive the glory? And so even though I'm leaving today, uh, my encouragement to you is to stay in the fight, to take, take courage and be bold, because you can know that we are in the era of the Spirit and the vindication of the Son of God and the era of witness and truth. But why don't I pray while time? Uh, Jesus says, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But because I've said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. But if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. But Father, we thank you for your word, that your word gives us light in the darkness. And we thank you for your son, that he came down to help us understand who you are. And we thank you for your spirit and who vindicates your son and gives us understanding of who you are. And so we do pray for courage and for boldness for each and every one of us. Father, you know our fears and anxiety of what people think of us whenever we stand for the Lord Jesus. But we pray that you might enable us uh, with a transformed mind to understand the times we're in encourage to speak because we have your word um, and your spirit. So please, we help each and every one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.